Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. We are finishing the book of Luke tonight. What? Five months. How'd y'all enjoy the life of Jesus? That's pretty cool, right? Did anybody learn something that you didn't know about Jesus before? No? Are you serious? The whole book of Luke? You guys were like, nope. Totally knew what Yahweh meant. Yeah, some some of y'all lying. Y'all, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. You guys know the story. You hear it year after year after year. The story of God coming to earth through a baby with a girl too old or too young to really like have a, a great grip on life and yet makes herself a servant through a guy that's just trying to make good decisions and provide for his family. He's not sure what to do with this girl who just got pregnant out of nowhere. Traveling with a pregnant woman that's hard with a car. Can you imagine a donkey? I mean, that's, that's crazy. Looking for a place to put his wife who's in labor. Can you imagine the strain of that night? And then to have to lay your child into a feed trough. That's crazy. And then because this is more than just a short temporary event, all of the universe begins to align with this event. All of creation, the stars are responding to the fact that God is touching earth in a way that he never has before. The angels are are taking new positions. They're showing up with shepherds and telling them that something's going on. Something is changing. The world will never be the same again. I want to open with the beginning of John chapter 1 it says this in the beginning y'all know these verses was the word and the word was with God the word was God uh huh some of y'all are raised in Christian school he was in the beginning with God all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it let me skip forward. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. That's a sad verse. The creator himself walks among his own people, and they don't even recognize that they're blind. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word, here's Christmas, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory in the glory, or the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Christmas 
We are celebrating that the word became flesh. Isn't that amazing? That is beautiful. Y'all know the story? The cosmos were so in line with this. Everything was changing so much so that a star was like, got to glorify God so it shined extra bright. And these dudes way off in the east see it and they're like, what does this mean? So they consult stuff and they find out that this means the king is going to be born. And I would love to take you back into Genesis and show you where that prediction was. It's in the last couple of chapters. Whenever, do y'all remember Jesus's lineage? He comes from the tribe of? David. Judah. David too. <laughs> David came from the tribe of Judah. No, that was from Benjamin. That was the other half. Never mind. From the tribe of Judah. Do y'all remember Joseph in Genesis? He is blessing each, or Jacob is blessing each of his 12 sons. When he comes to Joseph, he says, through you, he talks about this lion, tribe of Judah, and he says the scepter will be in his hand, and it talks about a star that's going to mark the occasion. You see, this has been predicted for a long time, and there's this star, and these guys are traveling, and they come to Herod, and they're like, Herod, what's up? And Herod gets the, the smart people to consult the scriptures and they find out that the coming Messiah, marked by a star, would be born in Bethlehem. And so they carry on and they're looking for this thing and they bring gifts. We don't know how, don't know how many wise men there were, but we know that of the number of wise men, there were three gifts brought and they were? All right. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Just past Sunday, we talked about it. What does gold represent? Who is there? That's right. The gold represents royalty, kingship. What does the frankincense represent? That's right. It's incense. It's our worship. That's right. And myrrh, I don't know if you ever heard this before. That's right. Good job. Y'all are paying attention. Myrrh is a spice that's used in embalming the dead. That's sort of morbid. That's crazy. That's wild because at Jesus's nativity, he was still a baby. He was like two years old or under when the wise men finally showed up and they are bringing gifts. And one of those gifts is pointing forward to his death. Jesus, born a king, born to die. That is wild. The word would become flesh and he would born with a, be born with a purpose a destiny so that he could die for our sins. Did you guys realize whenever we were talking last week, we talked about Passover, we did communion. Did y'all like that? Yeah. That was kind of cool. We're going to do that again sometime in the future. I'm glad this side, did this side over here enjoy communion last week? It was here. Awesome. Cool. So they were celebrating the Passover. We talked about what that meant, right? With the Exodus and stuff. So the middle of the night, Judas comes Kisses Jesus, betrays him. Jesus goes to trial. They accuse him of, of starting a revolt, of claiming that he's God. And he goes through these trials throughout the night and into the day. And then finally, they convince Pilate to execute him. And they take him out to Golgotha, the place of the skull. They get another guy to carry the cross because Jesus is so badly beaten and bloody, he's too weak to carry it. 
and they lead it up. And I want you to know, in case you never caught this before, remember the, the festival of Passover that's representing and celebrating the Exodus, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And remember what happened that night in Exodus? They would kill the lamb and they put the blood over the doorpost. They remembered that night every single year. And I'm telling you, if it's not a God thing, when Jesus was crucified on the cross at the same time happening at the temple by the very priests that condemned him, they were crucifying, not crucifying, they were slaughtering the lamb in remembrance of that Passover. And in this beautiful, crazy world of symbolism that God uses to show who he is, as this lamb is bleeding out to be burnt sacrifice for an old law that no longer is sufficient because it it dies and goes away, our lamb of God, spotless, pure, and holy, the suffering servant, is being crucified and nailed to a cross so that his blood would permanently, 100%, all of the past, all the future, purify your sin and mine. At the same time, Those two events are happening. A baby born to die, to change the world forever. And then, because they couldn't let the day roll over into the Sabbath day, they needed to get the dead down so that they didn't have corpses lying around on the Sabbath. They took Jesus off the cross and prepared him for burial. And I want to read this in John chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, y'all remember him? Who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of a baby born to die, and aloes, about a hundred pounds Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one yet had been laid. They wrapped him in strips soaked in myrrh. Way back when, 33 years before that, God would foreshadow the death of this baby. He was born to die. Point number one, he was born with a purpose. And that was every day to step closer and closer to that crucifixion because it would be the most incredible world-altering event. And it would be God himself who would be laying himself down for our sin. Do y'all start? Are you beginning to get a glimpse that there's a bigger plan at work? That these things didn't happen by man's will. Jesus didn't die because the high priest really wanted him dead. He didn't die because Judas was just a traitor. He wasn't born just because Mary and Joseph got a little frisky outside of marriage. You are beginning to see. Are you beginning to see that there is a plan that's bigger? Did y'all really get hung up on that? Y'all some teenagers. They didn't. Mary was a virgin. That's the whole point of Christmas, guys. I love you guys. All right. Stay with me. Sorry, that train derailed. All right, let's come back. 
We're going to go to Luke, because we're wrapping up Luke tonight, right? We're going to read the last verses of Luke. Oh, Lord, bless these simple little brains. They get hung up on the word frisky. All right. I love you guys. Y'all are far from simple. I'm just messing. All right. Luke chapter 24. We're going to start in 44. These are Jesus' last words. Y'all come back. (laughs) Thank you for your attention and your grace with me. He says to them, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So first of all, I want you to realize that Jesus' life was foreordained. There are hundreds of prophecies throughout thousands of years before Jesus was born, written by people across massive chunks of land, and all these prophecies line up through the direction of God to point at one man, and that's Jesus. And whenever you search the Old Testament, have fun doing it. It's cool. We can talk after service if you're like, Dom, show me. I got you. It's amazing how specific the Old Testament is about who the Messiah will be. And Jesus is saying, look, the plan's been laid out. Throughout the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding, Lord, open our understanding, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high. That's the Holy Spirit. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted with them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. He's talking about this plan. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer. It was necessary for him to die. And it was necessary for him to be raised from the dead three days later. God is in complete control. And it's bigger than just at the manger. And it's bigger than the story of the manger to the cross. It's bigger than than the manger to resurrection. It goes further back than that. It goes back to the Psalms. It goes back to the prophets. It goes back to the, the book of Moses, which is the first five books of the Bible. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And I want to show you this really quickly before I move on. This is Genesis chapter three, the first sin. Adam and Eve rebel and disobey God because they were tempted by the snake. You guys know the story. I want to point out something. Maybe you didn't notice this. Maybe you totally did, but follow with me. This is so interesting. Way back, Genesis chapter three, and God is speaking to the serpent and he says this in verse 15. I will put enmity, it means hate. I will put hate between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, as in between you and her offspring, all of Eve's offspring, that's us, humanity. There's going to be hate between you. And he, as in a specific person, so you and your little demon crowd, her and her offspring, all of humanity, and then all of a sudden he goes, he, specific person, will bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. As in, you are going to get a bite in, but he's going to crush your head. Oh, really? Come on. They're not going to be nearly as jumpy. 
Yeah, you're going to get a swing in. You're going to get a right hook in, but he's going to crush your head. See, they're totally chill over here. <laughs> Yo, at the cross, all of hell thought it won. They thought they'd struck down God in flesh. And it was their greatest downfall. Because at the striking of Jesus Christ, all of sin, all of hell, all of evil, Satan and his armies were crushed beneath the Son of God at his death. There is a bigger plan beginning from the beginning of time. Point number two is this. God's plan of salvation has been in place since the beginning of time. Actually, 1 Peter 1, 19-20 says that it was before the foundations of the world this plan was in place. God knew you. He knew that you needed a Savior. And he started the wheels on this thing. There was a married couple. They'd been married for years. She was a believer. She loved Jesus. He, not so much. Not, not really at all. And year after year after year, his wife would invite him to come to the Christmas Eve service at church. It started late and it rolled over into Christmas. Every year, she would invite him. Maybe this year, he'll pay attention. Maybe this year, something will click and he'll understand the value of Christmas. And year after year, he said no. This year, she'd already left. He was staying home in his armchair in front of the fire and a storm came up outside. The wind was blowing and the snow was coming through. And as he read his book, he heard this sound. That didn't work at all. Went back to reading and... So he gets up and he starts going through the house and as he's trying to find his way through the house, he, he hears it again. And he comes up to his big bay window that he had and he hears it. And he realizes exactly what it was. A little bird had flown into the window, broken its neck and fallen dead outside in the snow. And so he goes outside and he sees all these little birds dead in the snow. And right above his head, another bird hits. What was happening is he, they're lost in the snowstorm and they don't know their direction. They're following each other, but they see the light of his fire through the window and they head for safety. And another one dies. And he's moved with compassion for these little birds. And so he rushes out to their barn and he pulls the doors open. And he just knows that if he could get them to go into the hay, they would be safe from the snow, safe from the cold and the storm. But the birds keep hitting after another into that bay window because they're just following each other. They're in the storm and they just know that if they stay close to the one in front of them, They'll get to where they're going, except they're blindly flying into his window. So he gets lanterns, and he lights up the barn, so it looks warm and safe, and he just can't seem to get the birds to redirect that way, and they're falling dead at his window, minute by minute. And he thought to himself, if only just for a few minutes, if I could be a bird, I could lead them to safety. Just for a few minutes, if I could step into their shoes I could take them to a place to ride out the storm. And it was at that moment that the church bells rang in the distance, ringing in Christmas. And he knew in that moment exactly what Christmas meant. Because for a brief period of time, God would put on skin so that he could lead the way to salvation. 
We're just blindly driving towards the things that we think are hope, that we're driving towards what we think is a great idea, and we're just following the blind people in front of us, and we're destined for hell. And God loved you and me enough. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he was the light of the world. And darkness could not overcome him. Christmas is so much bigger than just a single event. It's so much bigger than just a baby in a manger. Friends, Jesus isn't a baby anymore. He's the king of kings. He is God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. Christmas represents a much wider scope than just one quiet night. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate a plan of salvation beginning from the beginnings of the earth, ending with Jesus riding back in all of his power and might and glory on a white horse. It is the plan of salvation that plucks us out of the storm, out of the darkness, and shows us light and hope and a future and peace. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. In your life, yours and yours, yours and yours, yours, they're a thread in this tapestry of the thousands of years that God has been weaving together his sovereign plan where not a single sparrow falls without his knowing it. Knowing the number of hairs on your head, knowing the number of cuss words you're going to say, knowing the number of teachers you're going to like, knowing the grades you're going to make, knowing everything about you. Your thread is woven into the tapestry of that plan. You have a purpose. And God has a ministry and a plan for your life, no matter what you do or where you go. You are part of Yahweh's salvation plan for mankind. And he put on Jesus the name above all names. Jesus, Yahweh saves. That was no accident. It would be foretold in the very name of God. Yahweh, behold the hand and behold the nail that Jesus would come. You are part of a tapestry of God's plan, not just for the world, but for your world, the people you're going to lock eyes with, the people you're going to encounter, the people that you're going to love. He has a plan for the people that you're going to hate too. He's cleaning us, molding us, Maturing us, chiseling us one chisel at a time. Ouch. Heavenly Father, teach us your ways. Teach us how to be the very best tools for your kingdom that we can be. We call you king. Lead us and guide us. Let us never see Christmas as an event that's stuck in time but as a beautiful painting beginning so much further back than we imagined and going so much further beyond that we are a part of. Lord, you're working on this painting over here, but all we can see is the painter's palette. It's messy and the colors are all bled together. And even if that's all that we can see, I pray that we'll just be the best 
the best paint seat we can be for you. You are Yahweh. Thank you for saving our lives. Lord, I pray for hearts of repentance in this room. People that have been holding on to bitterness and anger for a long time to surrender and forgive. People that are dealing with sins, lust and pornography. Lord, hate, stealing, violence. Lord, all of these things, this pride, this self-righteousness, Lord, I pray that we will surrender these at the cross and call you master. Thank you for the birth of Jesus Christ. Thank you for changing everything. Lord, as we give gifts, I pray that we'll remember your gift because it's beautiful and it's ugly and it's bloody and it's immaculate and amazing and awesome. We worship you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.